Are you brave enough to go hunting for ghosts? Are you brave enough to go MMA fighting with ghosts? Well, come join me for some great times, because we're going to be throwing hands and also running and screaming away from the most terrifying ghosts, demons, and spookily dookily things hiding in the dark. These stories, as always, were sent in by viewers of the show. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. Be sure to hit that like button, relax, and get ready for some creepy and allegedly true ghost hunting and paranormal horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. The Legend of Greenwood Cemetery by Andrew T. I cautiously stepped through the wrought iron gates of Greenwood Cemetery, the heavy fog enveloping the moonlit tombstones. My heart raced in anticipation, a mix of fear and excitement pulsing through my veins. This was the night I had been preparing for, the night I would embark on my first ghost hunting adventure. The stories surrounding Greenwood Cemetery were the stuff of legends. Whispers of restless spirits and haunting apparitions echoed through the town. Determined to uncover the truth, I armed myself with a digital voice recorder and an electromagnetic field detector and a flickering flashlight. With every step, the creaking of the old gravestones beneath my boots sent shivers down my spine. As I ventured deeper into the cemetery, the air grew colder and the atmosphere grew heavier. Moonlight cast eerie shadows over the weathered monuments, transforming them into grotesque figures in the darkness. The wind whispered through the ancient trees, carrying with it an otherworldly moan that made the hairs on the back of my neck stand on end. I eventually arrived at the resting place of Josephine Blackwood, the most infamous resident of Greenwood Cemetery. Legend had it that she was a tormented soul, a woman betrayed and left to suffer eternal unrest. Holding my breath, I switched on the digital voice recorder and carefully placed it on Josephine's grave. Josephine, if you can hear me, please make your presence known. I whispered into the night, my voice trembling slightly. Silence greeted my plea, stretching the tension to its breaking point. Suddenly, a faint, ethereal whisper echoed through the air chilling me to the core. Who disturbs my slumber? The voice murmured, barely audible. I froze, my heart pounding in my chest. It was Josephine, her spirit responding to my call. Summoning my courage, I posed another question, my hand shaking as I held the electromagnetic field detector aloft. Josephine, are you trapped in the cemetery? A sharp spike on the EMF detector sent a surge of excitement coursing through me. The energy in the air seemed to intensify, the atmosphere growing heavier with each passing second. The once flickering flashlight in my hand now blazed with an otherworldly glow, illuminating the tombstones with an eerie light. As I pressed forward, drawn deeper into the graveyard, a chill gust of wind swept past me rustling the leaves and causing the tombstones to groan in protest. Shadows danced on the gravestones, taking on grotesque shapes that seemed to move independently. A distant wailing cry echoed through the night, making my blood run cold. Panic and fear clawed at the edges of my mind, urging me to flee. 
but I could not tear myself away. I had come too far to turn back now. The spirits grew bolder, their ghostly forms materializing around me, wisps of misty figures gliding around through the air, their sorrowful eyes fixed on me with an otherworldly longing. Desperate to capture evidence of their existence, I snapped photographs, my camera flash barely illuminating their translucent forms. But as the night wore on, the spectral energy intensified, becoming more sinister and threatening. The whispers grew louder, filled with malice and despair. Ghostly hands reached out from the shadows, their icy touch grazing my skin, sending a shudder down my spine. Overwhelmed by the spectral onslaught I was facing, I fumbled to switch off the digital voice recorder and gather my belongings. As I stumbled back toward the cemetery gates, my heart pounding, a bone-chilling scream reverberated through the night. I dared not to look back, fearing what I might see. Finally, I burst through the gates, gasping for breath, the weight of the graveyard lifting from my shoulders. The fog seemed less dense outside, the air warmer as if the spirits could not leave the confines of Greenwood Cemetery. As I retreated, I couldn't shake that feeling of being watched as the restless souls that would forever haunt that sacred ground watched me run away. My ghost hunting expedition had been both a terrifying and an eye-opening experience, confirming the existence of something beyond our mortal realm. Greenwood Cemetery will forever remain a beautiful place with haunting beauty, crazy stories, and spirits etched into my memory. But one thing that was for sure, I will never venture into that realm of the dead again, lest I tempt fate and risk losing myself to the other side. Ghost Hunting Gone Wrong by BCAD Hello Swamp Dweller, I'm a big fan of the channel. I wanted to write to you for a while now, but just have not had the time to sit down to do it. My name is BCAD, and I'm a camera operator on a ghost hunting show in Nova Scotia, Canada. The story I will tell you today took place a few months ago on my second day on the show. I've now signed up for two more seasons, so I'm very excited as it's a fun job, and we do actual ghost hunting and none of the fake stuff. So, on my second day of working, we were at an old military training camp at a main building where they held banquets and it was a very fancy-looking place. I can't remember the entire story of the building, but I'll do my best to explain. A husband and wife lived there for decades, and the husband had been having an affair with other women. The wife walked in on one of them, and after seeing her husband cheating, she hung herself on the main stairway. There was a mural on the husband's wall of Poseidon, and the wife and mistress on the either side of him with seashells. That was a very eerie room to be in and setting up the CCTV cameras around the building was highly sketchy, even with the lights on. So anyway, after we set up all the cameras, I and two other crew members grabbed our night vision cameras and started shooting the host. I will refer to them as K, A, and H, and the director as P. I was in charge of shooting H, so I followed her while she did her thing, and we went to the main stairs where the wife had hung herself, and she started asking questions like, is there anyone here with us? And stuff like that. After a few minutes of questions, we remained quiet, and after a few seconds, we heard what sounded like a woman crying. 
H looked at me and asked if I had heard it. I immediately started nodding like crazy without messing up the framing on my camera. H then called over A, who can do this channeling, where they let the spirit use your energy to communicate. A did her thing, told the spirit to use her body to communicate with us, and then sat silently with her eyes closed. After a couple of minutes, A started sliding down the wall to sit down with her eyes still closed. She then started rubbing her neck, and her feet began to sway, which I immediately connected to the wife, who hung herself right where A was sitting. H also joined this and narrated some of it to the viewers at home so they knew what was happening. A then started muttering to herself, suddenly sobbing and screaming. Why would you do this? H then called over K who came to assist getting A back to reality, who was still screaming and crying. But after H and K calmed her down, she told us what had happened. Apparently, A was reliving what happened to the wife and saw how she died. A few seconds after she said this, banging started happening all over the building and then directly behind me, which caused me to say a few more censored words and fall to the ground while pointing the camera at the wall. After all the banging, the director came into the room with all the monitors for the CCTV cameras and said we were going to wrap it up for the night because it was getting a bit too crazy. He was worried for our safety at this point and I didn't blame him. We were also going to investigate the next day, so we set up all the cameras and left the building to our hotel directly next door. I was lucky to see the building from my hotel room, which made sleeping a challenge. The next day wasn't as eventful, but I did have an almost wholesome moment with the ghost of a chef in the kitchen. The chef doesn't like when you screw around with the stuff in his kitchen, so keep that in mind. Since we were going to investigate the kitchen, I had set up a CCTV camera in there. While there, I just started talking out loud to the chef, saying that there would be more people going around his kitchen and not to worry because we were all good people and didn't mean any harm. So after a short while, we entered the kitchen, and the host did their thing and started moving stuff around in the kitchen, knowing that he didn't like that, but unfortunately nothing happened. After a bit more filming, we took a break and I took my camera and went alone to the kitchen to do some solo investigating, but it also turned up nothing. However, after the host messed up his kitchen, I set everything back to the way it was before out of respect. We had to wrap up all of our gear at the end of shooting, so I headed straight to the kitchen to get the CCTV camera. While packing it up, I talked to the chef one last time, asking him to show himself to me. If he was just camera shy, no cameras were rolling. I continued wrapping up the cable, but saw something out of the corner of my eye. I turned my head and saw it. It was a slightly black figure ducking behind the fridge. I just smiled and said thank you. The building owner wants us back to investigate more, so hopefully we'll be back there next season. And maybe I'll see my chef friend again. Why I Believe in the Paranormal by Little Hell Spawn Hey Swamp Dweller. This story happened a few summers ago as I visited my older sister's house. She lived in this city that she moved to some time ago. For some context, I live in Finland and English is not my first language, so I apologize for possible spelling errors. Also, I never thought scary things could happen here when most stories of paranormal incidents and unsolved encounters seem to come from faraway places. But alas, this is my scary personal story, which I still think about all the time. 
It all started when my sister told me about an abandoned porcelain factory outside of town. I've always been a huge fan of urban exploring, so naturally, I was kind of excited. Plus, I had recently gotten into paranormal stuff, so ghost hunting was kind of, you know, something I was interested in as well. She decided to show the place to me, and her boyfriend at the same time joined us. It was just the two of them and myself as we visited this abandoned factory. Apparently, the boyfriend had been there multiple times before. For the sake of this story, I'll call my sister T and her boyfriend L. Summer nights in Finland are generally bright, especially in the middle of the season. But just to be safe, we waited until sunrise to have a better view of the place. The journey was rather uneventful. We took a late night bus and sat on the flat concrete roof of the building next to the factory itself, since it was easy to access. Thanks to the whole place being located in a hole in the ground, we spent our time just relaxing and listening to music until the first rays of the morning sun began to peek over the horizon. That's when we made our way down to the side of the first building, in between some stone walls, and rounded the whole place until we arrived at the main entrance. The windows and the double doors were busted entirely, and I could already see the large amounts of graffiti painted on the walls. There was broken glass, rubble, and trash everywhere. And for just a moment, I wondered if we should have taken some face masks with us in case the air inside was unsafe to breathe in. But we were already here, and I couldn't chicken out now. T assured me it was safe, so we went inside and took out our phone flashlights to navigate the dark hallways until we found the stairs we were looking for. The place had five stories, the fifth being an attic space with very little room to move. The second we started walking up the stairs, I felt a shiver run down my spine felt like we weren't alone, but logically I assumed it was just my nerves playing tricks on me, so I did my best to ignore it. L occasionally disappeared walking through different floors and rooms, so I often needed to catch up. He was familiar with this place, so I let him do his thing. I was sure not to leave my sister's side since I feared being alone in an unfamiliar place. The first time I saw something extraordinary was when I was... I was walking right next to my sister, and I could barely make out a figure walking away from me at the end of the second floor hallway in low light. I assumed it was L, but I found it odd that he had turned his flashlight off. I called out to him, asking if he had seen anything, when to my surprise he answered from the opposite end of the floor, saying something about cool graffiti. I hesitantly asked my sister if she saw the same thing as I did, but she hadn't, as she looked at me with slight alarm. We thought someone else might be here too, perhaps some sort of drunk or junkie looking for a quiet remote place to get their fix. We called out into the dark hallway, politely asking if someone else was there, but we received no answer. Elle joined us soon after and laughed at us for being paranoid, and so we continued on to the next floor. Meanwhile, my sense of unease was just growing more and more. Our steps echoed off the stone walls as we explored some more rooms. Finally, the sunlight was beginning to reach in, so we abandoned the flashlights and looked around in wonder. Many of the walls had holes, so we could quickly slip through them and round the entire floor. Aside from some more broken glass and empty chip bags and cans, there was nothing of note here. However, the fourth floor was my favorite since it was just one big room with stone pillars here and there. In the middle of the room was an old elevator that looked so ancient, I was surprised it hadn't plummeted to the bottom floor yet. It was one of those cage-looking things that would fit only one person at a time. 
There was also a random small but big enough circle that went through the bottom of the floor and seemed to go all the way to the basement. We couldn't quite figure out what it would have been used for. It was around a meter in diameter, just wide enough for a person of average build to fall through if they kept their arms tightly at their sides. I peered down the hole and called out, delighted to hear my voice echo back at me. I played around with the echo like a child would. T and L smoked a few cigarettes while I did this. Then, out of nowhere, I heard a scuffle from below, like the sound of someone's shoe scraping against the concrete floor. It made me freeze as my heart rate picked up. I strained my eyes and looked down into the hole. I saw a face poke itself into the view of one of the floors. It turned unnaturally to stare at me. The lighting made it much worse, but all I saw was this black mass suddenly block out the small little bit of light I had, like a shadow had peeled itself off the wall and was now looking at me, two gleaming eyes of no particular color. I stumbled away from the hole with a yelp and scrambled to T and L's side, keeping my voice hushed as I frantically explained what I had seen. At that point, I was practically peeing myself with fear, and they could probably see it on my face. T put out her cigarette and tried to comfort me. She believed me when I said that I saw something but tried to assure me that it was most likely another person or my imagination. Are you sure you're not just seeing things, V? He asked me, and I shook my head, insisting that I wasn't going crazy. But T's boyfriend, L, wasn't quite so sure. He just kept shrugging in response and said, Probably some drug addict. Maybe we should get going. Overall, the idea sounded great. The only problem was now that we would have to walk all the way down that dark staircase to the first floor when someone was lurking in there. The mere thought was almost enough to make me burst into tears. We didn't even have anything on us to use as self-defense in this particular situation if this person, whoever they were, was feeling up to jumping a bunch of kids in their late teens. Sensing my unease, T took my hand and promised to ensure nothing wrong would go down. It was a funny thought since she's a head shorter than me and much slimmer in build, but I still felt comforted by her words. L could have been better in height or muscle, but he picked up a hand-sized rock and held it firmly before finishing the last smoke that he had. After that, I felt a little bit better as we started shuffling toward the staircase, comically pressed against each other like a six-legged caterpillar. L took the lead while I followed behind him, pulling my sister along slowly but surely. I dug out my phone and turned on the flashlight with my free hand, lighting the way as we quickly descended the stairs. Luckily, we didn't see or hear anything. It took us a record time to get out of that factory, and as soon as we were out in the morning sunlight, we felt like we were safe once more. We laughed a little bit calling ourselves silly for getting so scared. Then I gazed back at the building and admired how the orange light reflected off the remaining windows. And then I noticed on the fourth floor, that same black mass I had seen was staring at me from one of the broken corner windows. I froze momentarily, confused about how this person had made it to the fourth floor without us coming face to face with them on our way out. I pointed at the figure. Guys, you see that, right? I asked, scared, but not as much as I had been while inside. Something in my mind told me that whatever this was, it didn't want us any harm, especially now that we had left it in peace. T turned to look in the direction I was pointing at. See what? She asked. I instructed her to the right window, but she just tilted her head in confusion, saying there was nothing there. Are you messing with us, dude? L asked as he tried to see what I was pointing at. I glared at him and insisted that someone was indeed in the window, but when I turned back, there was nothing there. No shadow, no face, or glinting eyes. 
I swallowed down my following words, feeling incredibly cliché as I shook my head. Guess I was just seeing things. I concluded, and eventually, we started walking back away from that place going back home. Overall, the whole thing still bugs me. Maybe I was letting my imagination mess with me. Perhaps I was seeing things that weren't there. But deep down, I don't think that's the case. Why I Stopped Ghost Hunting by Anonymous In 2009, I was interested in the paranormal, since I had many paranormal experiences growing up. I found a website that held ghost tours at the old Southwestern General Hospital. I was excited and ready to go on a ghost hunt. The group that held the ghost tour was named Ghost, or Ghost Hunters of South Texas. The group was professional, and they used many of the items that paranormal researchers used at the time. Before the tour, they showed us proof that they have captured in previous investigations while investigating the property. EVPs included a little boy saying, play with me please, and a woman with a southern accent responding to questions. The woman is said to be in an old-time dress, and sometimes old-time nurse attire. After the tour, the group said they were having openings for new members, and the new members would be tested and would be considered and maybe being part of the new team. I was quick to join and try out. I made the team. The team would have private group ghost hunts, so we would have the building to ourselves. The third floor was used as a hospice type of area. The building has four floors. The first, second, and fourth floor were left abandoned, and they looked like a scene out of a horror movie. Hospital beds lay in rooms dusty and unused. Many had dates from 1995 and before. I even found a death log that had many names and dates. The most active areas were the fourth and second floor. The fourth floor had a baby nursery and many rooms that were once used for families that would be welcoming new babies. One EVP that was caught in that area was one of crying babies. At the time the EVP was caught, there were no babies in the building and it was after midnight sometime when it was caught. Also on the fourth floor, there was a long hallway with empty patient rooms. In that hallway, shadows were always seen running or moving. The second floor was an old area. Also, many shadow figures were seen in this area. When doing research on the deaths in the building, I came up with what looked like to be a nurse who was crushed to death when a malfunction with the elevator happened years ago. During the time I was a part of this group, we investigated this building tons of times. I might even care to say maybe over a hundred. I also led ghost tours in the building with other members. I witnessed shadows, disembodied voices, screams, and one time heard a female humming a song only to find the room empty and dark. I've seen videos of doors opening on their own with no wind or people in the building. Also. The third floor had employees that would see things and hear things very often. Patients also complained of a kid running in their room or a man standing over their bed just looking at them, only to disappear. Over the years, I gained experience and loved what I did. As a group, we investigated many places such as schools, homes, and cemeteries in El Paso. We also got to investigate the old Asarco smelter before it was demolished several years later. 
I got to ghost hunt with people from Ghost Hunters and Ghost Hunters International. I met many celebrities and the group had them take their own personal ghost tours. It was fun and I grew a thick skin for fearing anything that goes bump in the dark. One of my favorite places to investigate was Southwestern General Hospital. I never believed in being followed home. One night after investigating, I was at my apartment eating on my couch and watching TV. I had my hallway light on near the front door that was visible from where I was sitting. Suddenly, from the corner of my eye, I saw a shadow of a person on the wall near the door. I turned and saw the shadow in full form. It was about six foot tall and completely black. Then, not even a second later, the shadow moved as if it was running down my hallway to my bedroom. I froze in horror, thinking somebody was in my apartment. I got up and walked to my bedroom. Nobody was there. I searched the whole house up and down, and then I thought to myself, maybe I'm just going crazy. I soon went to bed a few minutes later. It was probably about 3.20 a.m. when I felt my bed shaking. I woke up to my sheets being pulled off me very slowly and deliberately. I tried to move, but I just could not. My sheets slid very slowly off me towards the floor. I could not move, and I started to hear growling in my right ear. From the corner of my eye, I could see something moving near my head on the right of me. It was on my pillow. I could only see it from the peripheral vision that it had hair. It was hairy and brown. If I could compare it to something... I would say Chewbacca from Star Wars type hair. It was moving, very slowly, but obviously very deliberately. It was growling as well. My eyes started to water up with tears. I tried to move my arm, but I just couldn't. I could only move my fingers. The blanket was still being pulled off me little by little until it hit the floor and I was no longer covered by my sheet. I felt the hairy thing moving right next to me and the growling grew louder. Then suddenly, I was able to sit up and I turned and looked to see what was there next to me. The hairy thing was gone, but I could see the imprint of where it had sat right next to me just a moment ago. It was the size of a full-grown cat. Then I looked around the room to gather my sanity. I don't own a cat. My sheet was on the floor, and my eyes were still watery. I asked myself, maybe it was just sleep paralysis. I found it hard to sleep that night since I lived alone in that apartment. The next day I had a girl over to my apartment. I was seeing her from school. I was playing PlayStation and she asked if she could take a nap in my bed. I said of course. She went to my bed and fell asleep. Around 20 minutes later, she suddenly came back to my living room in tears. She said, uh, I have to leave now. I asked her what was happening and what was wrong. What she said shocked me. She said that something shook the bed and woke her up. She could not move, and then something was growling and started getting close to her ear. Then the bed went down as if somebody lied down next to her. She tried to scream for me and could not. Then she felt as if somebody was breathing on her neck as the growling grew louder. She said it lasted about two minutes, and then she was finally able to move. Once she was able to move, she ran to me in the living room. After she explained this, I grabbed her stuff and helped her leave. I did not tell her what happened to me the night before, but I had that same exact experience, and what happened to her was enough proof that something was not right. I could not explain what was happening. First thing that came to mind that something probably followed me home from the hospital. After a few days, all the activity suddenly stopped. Only when I would go in on investigations, I would see shadows in my apartment, 
and then they would just go away. I loved what I did, and the only time I feared the paranormal was this moment. I no longer ghost hunt, and the group no longer gets together. Southwest General Hospital was purchased and is now remodeled and is in use. I can only imagine what the employees of the LTAC go through by being in that building. Every now and then I drive down Cotton and pass the building. I miss the days of being part of Ghost El Paso. If you are ever in El Paso after stopping by at Chico's Tacos, be sure to pass by the old building by the Star on the Mountain formerly known as Southwest General Hospital. The Dangers of Ghost Hunting and Not Taking the Paranormal Seriously by Anonymous I would like to start by saying that while I am interested in the paranormal, I tend to be skeptical and prefer to think things out rationally before dismissing every little thing as a ghost or the like. This experience, however, has no logical explanation I can think of. I am new here, and as well, I apologize in advance if I'm not doing this correctly. So let's get into this. I was 17 and it was mid-October, nearing Halloween. My family had gone to a small rural town to meet up with some good friends. We were going to get dinner and catch up for old times sake as my siblings and I had grown up with the children of the other families. After dinner, the parents stayed at the bar drinking, and those of us who were not of legal drinking age were starting to get a little bored. That is when one of my friends brought up the local cemetery. Apparently, there is a cemetery in this town that is said to be haunted. I'm pretty positive that some ghost hunter paranormal type show did an episode about it or something, but the legends are said to have been around since before that. The story goes that a group of teenage boys were wandering into the graveyard one Halloween night with the intention of causing trouble and maybe stirring up some spooky ghost action in celebration of Halloween. After messing around for a while with no unexplained phenomena, they decided to sit in on top of the mausoleum which is basically just a big tomb built up around a coffin instead of burying it in the ground. They were about to call it quits and head home when suddenly, unseen hands seemed to push one of the boys off the top of the tomb and into the ground. All the boys were obviously scared and hightailed it out of there, all of them feeling an eerie, ominous energy following them around for weeks after the incident. There have also been numerous reports of orbs, headstones inexplicably moving, or disappearing altogether. Ghostly apparitions, inscriptions being changed, flashes of light, strange noises, the whole works. I, of course, was more than excited to check it out. We arrived at the cemetery well after dark, and one of my girlfriends, we will call her Emma, and I were the only two brave ones enough to go in. We hopped right out of the car, careful to be as inconspicuous as we could since we did not want the police showing up and ruining our ghost hunting experience. We headed toward the entrance. It was chilly and a bit windy, as autumn in Wisconsin tends to be. We gripped each other's hands and started down the gravel path. As soon as we passed the fence that surrounded the plot of land, everything seemed to get very still and very quiet. We could not even hear the wind anymore which was strange as it had been breezy as we got out of the car. It was so silent that even whispering in our steps in the gravel seemed, pun absolutely not intended, loud enough to wake the dead. Though there were no lights in or near the cemetery, there was enough moonlight filtering through the clouds to allow us to see well. 
We soon realized we had no idea where the fabled haunted mausoleum was, but kept walking anyway. We made a random left turn, and lo and behold, there it was, about 30 yards or so in front of us. Surprisingly, we had great luck, right? I don't think so. As we approached, I began to feel almost an electric sort of energy in my fingers and hands, but I wrote this off as just nerves or something due to breaking the law. We reached the tomb, and this thing is absolutely huge. It was easily twice my height, at the very least, and made of weathered gray stone with moss and lichen growing sparsely on it. We stare at it for a moment, and Emma whispers, You should touch it. Being the big bad ghost hunter I am, I oblige. There is really nothing remarkable about the cool roughness of the stone, so I decide to take it a step further and hop up to sit up on the lip of the curved top of the thing. Again, nothing happens, so I jokingly whisper shout, If there's anyone here, any spirits or anything, come on out. After listening in silence for a second or two, I think, F it and make my way to the very top where the kid is rumored to have been pushed off by ghostly hands. I have Emma snap a photo or two of me before climbing back down. Slightly disappointed by the lack of spooky encounters, we agree to head out and are about to do just that when we see a pair of headlights slowly creeping down the road that borders one side of the graveyard. We immediately assume someone noticed us and called the cops, so we crouch down behind some bushes with the mausoleum directly to our left. Both of us, are completely silent except for our breathing as we watch the vehicle slowly make its way down the street. I am watching its taillights turn the corner when I hear a low, creepy, menacing laugh coming from right behind me. It sounded so strange, like it was a few feet away but also right in my ear at the same time. I'm freaked out, and I'm about to chalk it up to adrenaline-induced hallucination when Emma, who is standing to my left, whispers, Hey... Did you hear that? My blood ran cold as I slowly nod a silent. Yes, I did. I cautiously turn my head to one direction and try to see if I can hear it. I kid you not. I didn't hear anything, but what I did see was a dark figure stand up from behind one of the headstones not ten feet away from us. I scream bloody murder and somehow end up on the ground as the next thing I know, Emma is pulling at my arm, shouting, We have to run! We need to get out of here! Come on! I let her pull me to my feet and lead me blindly by the hand. We are full out sprinting, tripping over gravestones and plants and who knows what else in the dark. We cannot even find the exit in our panic. We finally reach a gap in the fence and I can feel the tears streaming down my face as I run for my life down the middle of the road, not even paying attention to the oncoming headlights until I nearly run into them. Luckily, it was the car containing the rest of our friends, and we rip the door open and throw ourselves inside screaming, Go! Go! Please just drive! Before we even bothered to sit in an actual seat or shut the door. I cannot for the life of me remember who was driving but I think our panic and terror shook them enough that they did exactly what we asked of them and sped away back to the bar. They kept asking us what happened and if we were okay, but we would not calm down enough to answer them until we were back inside the bar and sat down. Still shaking and out of breath, we recounted our story to all of them, drunk parents included. I think a lot of them were skeptical and honestly, I would have been too if I had not experienced it myself. In the weeks that followed, I felt the same eerie energy the boys in the legend describe hanging over my head. 
Personally, I attribute it more to paranoia after being scared out of my mind by something I could not actually see, but it made me feel uneasy nonetheless. It has been a few years since this happened, and I still cannot think of a single logical explanation for what actually happened that night. While I have no idea how credible anyone else's reported experiences on this show are, I know we were without a doubt the only people in that graveyard or even on the streets for that matter, and we would have heard someone trying to sneak up on us. The sound of that laugh was so unnatural. I cannot get it out of my head. Even now, I have never been more scared than I was that night, and I now know what people mean when they talk about not being able to fully believe in the paranormal until you have experienced it firsthand. Anyway, I just thought I would share this experience with you. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true ghost hunting horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to elbow that like button in the nose to make sure it feels it. Subscribe if you're new, and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode as I upload them nearly every single day on all things natural and supernatural. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your stories at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. You can also submit your stories via reddit at r slash thedarkswamp. I'd love to see your story and share it with everyone here in the swamp, and stories like yours to help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you're on the go, but don't have YouTube Premium, but still want to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and just about everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. And if you're on those podcast platforms listening right now, whether it be Apple or Spotify, please be sure to give us a 5-star rating as it helps the show grow on those platforms, and it's very, very much appreciated. Thank you, as always, for supporting the Swamp the way you do. I couldn't do this on a daily basis without you guys. I would love to know in the comments down below what story tonight was your favorite. I'd probably have to say the Greenwood one was mine. There's just something about cemeteries and good old-fashioned ghost hunts that give me a good chill. Be sure to join me on Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, and all the other good platforms, and I'll see you all soon with another creepy video.